politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Biden is saying if Putin invades Ukraine, there will be no Nord Stream 2 pipeline. In a press conference with the German chancellor, he says, Germany is on board. Germany is our ally and they are going to stand by us. I just don't know if that's true, though. I really just have a hard time believing all this. What is our strategic interest? Has anyone even said yet in this administration? And how is it possible that Russia has hypersonic missiles and we don't? What the heck? This weakness. Good afternoon. Welcome to the podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you uh, hanging out this afternoon. Happy birthday, Blazing Saddles. A movie that could not ever be made today. Would not be made today. The Supreme Court of Virginia has rejected a... It should be made today, though, because it's a brilliant movie. But the Supreme Court of Virginia has rejected a challenge uh, to Governor... Governor... um, Excuse me, Glenn Youngkin's ban on mask mandates. The Supreme Court of Virginia has rejected that challenge out of Chesapeake... Virginia, which is a big win for Virginia families. But the White House is still standing by masking. Even today, New Jersey Governor King Philip the Unaccountable has said the masks for kids will be off their faces maybe March 7th. He still needs another 30 days of absolute unilateral control and power. So he won't give up his power until March 7th. But at that time, masks can come off. Now, he won't Stop masking. So if this local school district wants to keep kids in masks, and believe me, in New Jersey, there will be some that will, and it's going to just cause more fights on the local level, then we'll see what happens. He also says there'll be no bans on masking. So they can't, they won't have a ban on masking. What happened to one policy for the whole state? That's what we've been operating under this entire time. One policy for the entire state. And now, of course, we're, we're past that point now. Now it's uh now it's do whatever you want to do on this one issue. But if you want to relax certain COVID protocols, no, no, no. We, 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 you can only do that if I say you can. King Philip, the unaccountable. Uh, all right, here's a couple of things. I have a couple of ideas for you to, to begin this afternoon podcast with some great audio for you. First of all, um, how will Biden stop Nord Stream 2 if Russia invades Ukraine? He's making this very bold threat. So how will he actually stop the Nord Stream 2 pipeline? First question first. If Germany, if uh, if Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there will be uh, we there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But, do, but how will you how will you do that? Exactly. Since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control. We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. All righty. I feel better then. How about you? Okay. Uh, Biden couldn't remember all the questions that were asked of you him. You also asked the question, you asked so many, I can't remember them all. Um, but uh, uh, in terms of... Uh, in terms of whoever's in my ear, can you tell me what he said? Because I just completely forgot, by the way. I totally forgot. Uh, <clears throat> the White House is doubling down on masking again on kids. 
And it's interesting, too, because as all this is going on, I don't think the average American gives a damn about the Ukraine, but they do want their kids out of masks. No doubt about that. They do want their kids out of masks. No doubt. That is that is first and foremost, the number one issue. Now, realize something. This happens after Stacey Abram, that giant hypocrite, was caught maskless around these kids. All right. And and remember something, too, when this happened, a lot of people thought to themselves, can it get any worse in terms of hypocrisy. Oh, it absolutely can. Make no mistake about it, it certainly can. And now her campaign is scrambling to do damage control. After at first they said, look, here's the deal. She was just taking it off to speak. Because COVID doesn't attack you when you're absolutely talking. You know that, like, duh, come on. That's the way that they phrased it today, basically like that. I'm paraphrasing, of course. And everybody turned around and said, wait a second, wait a second. My kids can't talk in school. That's the problem. My kids, you're proving why we need to take our kids out of masks. Because you're saying that she only did it when she was at the podium and she could speak. Well, my kids can't talk with the masks on. That's exactly why we want our kids out of masks. You're literally proving the point that we're making. You're proving the point that we're making which is that we do not want our kids in masks because it's hard for them to communicate. Stacey Abrams' campaign actually proved what we've all been saying because they said, look, she wore a mask until she had had to speak at the podium. Well, why'd she take it off then? Because it's difficult to speak at the podium. A- absolutely. I-, I get it. Yes. But it's also difficult for my kids when they're in the classroom to talk, which is why they should all be out of masks. And if COVID won't attack you when your mask is off when you're speaking at the podium, then it won't attack anybody when they're speaking in the classroom. But of course, now, the science is very subjective. It's only what kind of science they want it to be and when. Uh, Snarks Jen Psaki said today, it remains Biden's uh, position. And this is uh, that, that uh, we still believe in masking our kids. So even though it seems like we're making progress on this issue, if the White House had their druthers, and they still may, they still may have their druthers. I told my kids today that there'd be no more masks in school. They dan- they danced all over the house in celebration. I just hope I didn't jinx it. Back on the mask mandate question in New Jersey and other states, the CDC is still recommending universal masking in schools. That's correct, and that still remains our recommendation. That still remains our recommendation. We want the kids to be masked up. Well, I got news for you. I don't want my kids masked up. So if you do want your kids masked up, put them in a mask. Go ahead. Just don't force me to put my kids in a mask. Got it? There you go. That's all I wanted. That's that's what I want. That's what I want. Thank you very much. Uh, here we go. The Love Gov Andrew Cuomo is back as well. I got that for you too. I got a lot. To, I got a lot. I'm loaded up on this podcast today. But uh, but let me stick with uh, Russia and Ukraine for a second. The real problem right now for this administration is that they do not have a cohesive handle on how to look tough because they're not tough. And the problem is that when you're not tough, your enemies can sense it. And they know this. And because Biden is not tough and because they they don't think that Biden is actually united, the countries in Europe are united, they don't really think Germany's with us, it becomes very difficult for anybody to really take this guy seriously. And I don't know what Biden's going to do, and I still don't even know why, why I should care as an American citizen because nobody's articulated that to me yet. But what I do know, though, is that whether it's a Putin or it's, a, it's China or it's somebody else, they only answer to the idea that it's, it's going to be somebody responding to them with something tough. And I don't, I don't hear that is the problem. I don't hear that. I don't hear that, and they don't hear that either. And so it, it's very possible Putin may go into Ukraine, in which case then we're, we're going to have World War III. We're going to have World War III. 
And right now we're hoping that Germany will just go along with the United States and that's our that's our way out of it. That's that's our that's our deterrent at this point, our great deterrent. I don't know. I I, I think to if you if you ask me the American people still don't understand why we should be backing this anyway. Really, they, they don't they don't they don't understand. Just go up and ask somebody on the street, do you think we should go into Ukraine if Russia goes into Ukraine? And should we fight them? I don't know. I don't know. Huh? 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 I don't, I don't know. That's what people are going to say. Because you know why? The Biden administration hasn't told us why. If you want to get the American people on board, you have to convince them. You have to sell it. Do you feel like they've sold this? I don't. I don't feel like they've sold it in any way, shape, or form. And that's part of the problem. Uh, what else can I tell you? Yes, uh, I'm trying to give you a lot today. Uh, this is uh, this is the, the love gov, Andrew Cuomo, who's back now. He's defiant and not ready to go. Stopping our political radar today, a new interview with a defiant Andrew Cuomo, the former New York governor telling Bloomberg News he wishes he hadn't resigned. This interview coming as two sources tell CNN, Cuomo considering a political comeback as early as this coming election cycle. You heard that right. CNN's Bryn Jengris joins me now with more. Uh, not going quietly. Certainly not going quietly, but we knew that, John, right? And if you talk to the people that are closest to Andrew Cuomo, they're almost laughing about all of this speculation and what's being reported out there. But sources are telling us, and also other publications, as you noted, Bloomberg News, that a comeback is not only you know possible, it's almost likely going to happen for the former governor of New York. I want to read an excerpt of what was written in Bloomberg News with an interview with Andrew Cuomo recently. He said, I never resigned because I said I did something wrong. I said I'm resigning because I don't want to be a distraction. So interesting words there. Of course, we know he resigned last August after that scathing attorney general general's report came out uh, accusing the former governor of sexual harassment of 11 women, including some of his former aides. And since that time, he has been pretty quiet, letting his personal attorney, Rita Glavin, really do the speaking for him, coming out in press conference after press conference, re- rebutting basically not only the statements about him uh, not doing those allegations against him, but also uh, just saying that that attorney general's report is flawed. So, John, we know he has a lot of money in the piggy bank, more than $16 million. We know that he feels that he's been vindicated, according to this most recent reporting, especially because many district attorneys in several counties of New York have decided not to pursue charges against him. But this is definitely going to be, oh, we shall see, John. Look at that. We shall see. CNN would love it if the Love Gov got in the race. Wouldn't they? They would later the music in the background. Did you catch that? The dramatic music in the background. They don't know what to do with that network anymore. They have no idea what they're supposed to do with that network. No idea. What should they do anyway? I think they should just turn it all off. Just turn it all off and be news again. But I don't really care what they do. I really don't care. Because the truth is that the, the CNN has become such a joke. Such a joke. And, and and even when you've got Russell Brand mocking Brian Stelter now, I'm pretty impressed by that. When anything dominates the news cycle, particularly at a time that other important and interesting things are potentially occurring. I want to show all kinds of opinions. Which sounds great, but not all opinions are created equal. Now, listen here, Sonny Jim, you're not only making people not trust you, you're making them not trust me. You think about major newsrooms like CNN that have health departments and deaths and operations that work hard on verified information on COVID-19. They're out of order, aren't they? They can't say that after the way they carried on around that horse paste stuff. Ivermectin. Not bad. Pretty good. I, it's a pretty good impression. He's kind of captured the, the juvenile 
prepubescent kind of way that Brian Stelter approaches things in life because he is, in fact, prepubescent and a giant whining high school student on the student newspaper team. So, you know, there you go. And again, he's another guy who decides that he knows uh, what, what, is, what is real and what isn't. He's going to tell you what is real and what isn't. Oh, I've been asked a question here. Um, why now with Murphy? Why now? Okay, let me explain it like this. His 30-day emergency order. So Governor Phil Murphy in Jersey signs this. Well, let's back up here. So Ed Durr gets elected to the state Senate in New Jersey. He's now Senator Ed Durr. Senator Ed Durr uh, beat Steve Sweeney. Steve Sweeney was the head of the, the Senate in, for the Democrats in New Jersey. And he beat him. And it was, a, it was a, nobody saw that coming except Ed Durr. And part of the reason why he beat him was because Steve Sweeney failed to stand up to King Philip the Unaccountable. And that's the job of Senate President in many ways to stand up to the governor. He refused to do that. So Ed Durr won. And, a lot, and seven total Republicans won. A big reason is because parents have had it with COVID. And CRT and all the other crap. They've had it with that stuff. So that's why they've decided now that they, they enough is enough. Democrats know this. And they told Phil Murphy, we're not extending your powers anymore. All right? Your powers expire at the end of, uh, of last year. We're not extending them anymore. But what the king did on January 7th is the king signed a 30-day executive order declaring another public health emergency in New Jersey using Omicron, the mild variant, as a justification. So the legislature said, no, we're not giving you any more power. No, we're not giving you any more power here. It's over. We got to get back to normal. Because Democrats know that they're going to lose. He did it anyway. He said, well, then fine, then I'll create my own emergency powers. That's what happened. 30 days ago, today's the 30th day, his powers would extend or be canceled unless he extended them. He chose to extend them for another 30 days. But he knows that people would be furious at him in the legislature, in his own party. So that's why he threw a bone and said, all right, but I'll lift the mask mandate March 7th. I'm not convinced it's going to happen. Remember, the primary elections are not until June in New Jersey. So he has plenty of time. And, and November's a long time away. And, and, and I would not be surprised if the masks come back in the fall anyway, because the way Democrats are and they're paranoid about everything, and they also would like to use it as an excuse to make sure that we all vote by mail again. Or drop off balloting or whatever the hell they want to do, whatever they want to pull. So I'm not convinced it's over, is my point. I'm not convinced it's over. But if you're asking about the timing and why the timing is now, it's because the Democrats in, in, in his own party in the legislature said, no, this is enough is enough. And the votes were there to override him. And that would be embarrassing for him. So he said, look, give me another 30 days. And then I'll take the masks off and we won't do any more public health emergencies. But remember something, if there's another variant or something, all that goes out the window. It all goes out the window with this guy. He has become addicted to power and control. He loves power and control. You see how these people are. These maniacal people, egomaniacs. They are so addicted to their own sense of power and their own ideas of what they know to be best. They can't help themselves. And that's what it comes down to. And, and why are we masking our kids anyway? Jen Psaki today at the White House says it comes down it comes down to science. If you could just clarify, I know you've talked about this a little bit already. Uh, do you think that at some point in the future, even if that point isn't now, it would be appropriate for there to be updated federal guidelines just to avoid confusion? I think the administration has been clear that on other issues, there are sort of messaging issues that could have been a little bit more uh, clear coming from the administration. So on this issue, 
do you think that that might be appropriate? Well, the guidance is very clear, which is that we recommend uh, masking in schools. Uh, that is the recommendation from the CDC. It is also true that at some point when the science and the data warrants, of course, our, our hope is that that's no longer the recommendation, uh, and they are continually assessing that. But the guidance is very clear. It is also true that it has always been up to local school districts to make determinations about how to nope, implement these it policies. Hasn't. It hasn't been up to local school districts. That's the point. It hasn't been up to local school districts. If it wasn't the local school districts, I think a lot of local school districts would have thrown this off their backs. At least I know the parents that I talk to, nobody wants their kids in masks. Nobody. And I've got friends who are Democrats, and they say the exact same thing. They don't want their kids in masks. That's where things are right now. They just don't want it. And so Phil Murphy did this out of his own political survival because that's what people who are facing political annihilation do. And he was going to be usurped by the legislature, and he still may be if he tries to pull his crap in 30 days. But remember, now the fight is going to be on the local level. So I'm really glad the Virginia Supreme Court said today that they were not going to force, not going to override Governor Glenn Youngkin's executive order banning mask mandates. Sensible Republican governors are leading on this the right way. It's a choice parents can still make, but we're not having mandates by district. We're not having mandates by town. In New Jersey, you still can get mandates by district. through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Well, that was kind of rude. In New Jersey, you still can get uh, mandates by district or mandates by town. That can still happen. Okay, now. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. All right, so obviously... Today's one of those days, too, where not only is there just a ton of stuff, and Mondays tend to be very busy lately with all the news because Biden doesn't work on the weekends. Well, he doesn't. You notice that, right? He doesn't work on the weekends. He goes to Delaware, and he hangs out there at the beach, but he doesn't actually work. So that's a thing, and then everybody plays catch-up on Mondays when all of a sudden this information gets crammed at you. But, th- but think about it, too. I mean, Biden told everybody today they should leave the country of Ukraine. If you're in Ukraine, you should leave. You should leave. A lot of this audio is just coming out now, so that's why I'm I'm, I'm talking about other things at the same time. I, I know I usually like to pick one topic at a time, but on the nature of a day like today, where everything's kind of coming out at once, and I want to bring in this audio as they're posting it. But this is what Biden said when he was asked at the press conference today. To the Americans who are currently in Ukraine, should they leave the country? I think it'd be wise to leave the country. Uh, not, I don't mean our. I don't mean. I'm not talking about our diplomatic corps. I'm talking about Americans who are there. I hate to see them get caught in a crossfire if, in fact, they did admit. And there's no need for that. And if I were they, if I had anyone there, I'd say leave. You know what? I would say uh, that projects such an air of absolute weakness. Like, not like we're going to take care of it. Not a situation where don't you worry there's no reason to leave because Russia's not going to do a damn thing. But this president's projecting weakness all across the world, and I think weakness is the, is, is, the, is the reason why there's no deterrent right now. Part of this issue has to do with energy, and in a big, big way, obviously, it's, it's energy. And everyone is looking at Germany because of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline and their reliance on Putin's natural gas. And the reality is that if we were selling natural gas to everybody, maybe we wouldn't need Russia. Maybe we could do it ourselves. But the Democrats don't want the United States being an exporter of natural gas and oil. That's just reality. It's just fact. And if we were, then Putin would not be in a position to hold such strength over Germany, for example. Germany's really calling the shots in all this as far as being a, a partner in deterrence. When it comes to oil and natural gas, prices are surging. Oil prices today, the highest they've been in years. Again, in years. So if you're filling up your tank today, you know exactly the pain that I'm talking about. 
The White House was asked about this question. Take a listen. Um, so President Biden has said uh, with oil prices that he released a strategic petroleum reserve mm-hmm. and that brought down prices. Actually, on that day, the price of oil actually rose and it went down for the Omicron variant um, as the fears of lockdowns. Today, oil prices are $91, more than $91 a barrel. Um, is there any consideration in the administration to reversing any of the policies or regulations or removing some to, to encourage more drilling in the U.S. for future demand? Well, let me tell you what we are doing, of course. We, of course, tap the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. Sometimes that takes some time to to uh, to be digested into the system. Uh, we've also worked with a number of countries around the world to do something similar. Uh, we've been engaged with OPEC nation countries about the need for the uh, supply available to meet the demand. We've also called out uh, the record profits made by oil companies, uh, which should not be lost uh, as an issue as consumers are looking at the price that they are paying uh, at the, the the prices they are paying. Uh, and then I would also note that you should check with oil companies on whether they are tapping into uh, all of the land leases they have available at their disposal. About, I don't believe about, they are. What about encouraging the, the investment in drilling in other places in the U.S.? Uh, again, I think the president's view is that we are, uh, it is a huge advantage to us to be a leader uh, in the clean energy transition. And over the course of years and decades, we've become a clean energy superpower because ultimately that's not just where the jobs are, it's where the strategic advantage will lie in 10, 20, 30 years. I would note again, and you can ask the oil companies this, there is land they're not all drilling on. Every lease is not used. I'd encourage them you to ask them that question. So understand that the White House's approach is believing that if we transition to green new energy, that that's going to give us a world leader. But it would be one thing if we did that, but we also we're able to expand our oil and natural gas drilling. The reason why the drilling is not done on those lands is because the federal government has made it so cost prohibitive with all the regulations and all the, I mean, you know, they bust shops to such a degree that it almost becomes not worth it. That's part of the reason. Somebody's calling me from West Virginia. I wonder if it's Joe Manchin. I see it probably spam, but it could be Joe Manchin. Uh, asking me for advice. It doesn't sound like it needs my advice, by the way. It sounds like Joe Manchin's doing just fine. Let me, let me, let me, piggyback that with what Jen Psaki said, with what Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm said. Okay, remember, this administration is all in on this so-called green energy. They're not in on balancing both. They're not in on having oil and natural gas. They want America to transition off of oil and natural gas. Understand that as a position point. And then all the rest makes perfect sense. This ministerial arrives at a unique and a timely moment for all of us. Obviously, high energy prices have been putting a strain on households on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, Europe, you have seen prices go through the roof. Uh, of course, tensions between Russia and Ukraine uh, pose threats to the energy security of of the, Europe- of the European Union and our friends and partners. And all of this, to your point, underscores the benefits of clean energy. I was... Um, She's an idiot. You know why? Because this actually underscores the reason why clean energy, if that becomes our primary energy, we will be dependent on dictators around the world. Because countries around the world do not and cannot rely solely on green energy. And that is the reality. So what we what that means then is the United States will allow people like Vladimir Putin and China and India and uh, and, and Iran to to become even more powerful around the world, richer and more powerful. That's what that means. At a minister last week, and the um, my counterpart in Ireland, Minister uh, Ryan, 
said words that I thought were very interesting. No country has been held hostage to access to the sun. No country has been hostage to the wind. This is not just an energy and climate issue. It also is potentially the greatest peace plan that ever existed <laughs> to be able to build out energy independence from clean energy. Got that? Nobody's ever been locked out by the wind or the sun. What about in places where the it's dark and they don't have enough sunlight and they need to... Uh, and then they need to, to to use the sunlight or they need to use wind power. And what, what about all that? What about, I mean, they can't use the sun or they can't use wind for whatever happens. Then what? What do you do then, genius? What do you do then when it's really, really dark or when there's just no wind? And what about parts of the world where there there's no wind? And what do you do up in Alaska where it's, it's 30 days of night, for example? What the hell do you do then? These people are not very smart. There are parts in this world that don't only get maybe in the wintertime five hours of sun. Some places get even less. What do you do out of curiosity then? And what if the wind just isn't blowing that day? That's when we turn to dictators to help fill those needs. New York City Mayor uh, Adams, by the way, wants everybody to eat a... Well, he's a vegan, you know, and he wants his veganism to spread. You brought up your eating habits. I just want to clarify something. How often do you eat fish and do you eat any other animal proteins? I eat a plant-based centered life. Some people want to call me vegan. Vegans eat Oreos and they drink Coca-Cola. I don't. I eat a plant-based centered life. And those who are the food police for me, uh, they can food police all the time. I eat a plant-based centered life. I eat a plant-based centered life. And I'm not going down that. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Please don't do that yelling out stuff with me. I don't do it to you. Don't do it to me. I eat a plant-based centered life. And I'm not going down this rabbit hole of what do you eat if you eat cake and it has eggs in it that you analyze it. I'm not doing that. The more plant-based you eat, the better and healthier you are. That is my question to those who are following me around in restaurants, wondering what, what I'm ordering. Listen, I'm not doing that. That's noise to me. I got to get New Yorkers to eat a plant-based scented life. There you go. I got to get New Yorkers to eat a plant-based centered life. Is that really the job of the mayor of New York City or any mayor or any governor to get us to eat a plant-based centered life? And remember something, whenever government gets in the business of telling us what to eat, we have problems. I was very happy that Bill Maher brought up the food pyramid as a, an example of science getting it wrong, even though I brought it up to you last week and when I filled in for Mark Levin. And I brought up to you how the science, the government used to tell us, the FDA, the science, everything. Remember, eat five servings of grains a day. They want us to just have a big grain diet. Remember all that? Well, I, I mean, what if the whole plant-based thing proves to be wrong? It's possible. Science and food changes. Maybe it proves to be wrong. I don't know. My point is, is it the job of the mayor of New York City to get everybody to eat more plant-based? Now, I know obviously vegans would say, oh, hell yeah, it is. No, it's actually not. It's not the job. The job of the mayor of New York City would be get to get New Yorkers from not getting shot. 
when they're buying either plants or meat or both. Just do that. Focus on that. Make sure people in New York City are not getting shot to death and stabbed and you don't have smash and grab robberies and homeless crazy people pushing people in front of the trains. All right? You could do if you can accomplish that, that would be amazing. All right? That'd be a great part of this whole thing. If you can do that, I'll be really impressed, all right? I'll be really impressed. But don't tell me what to eat. I don't need you. Nobody elected you. To be the mayor of Foodville, all right? Nobody elected you to do that. Not me, not you, nobody. Nobody elected this guy to be the mayor of Foodville. All right, so I got to wrap this up a little bit early today because uh, Biden spoke late, obviously, as he was with the prime minister of Germany or the chancellor of Germany. So uh, I want to try to get this out by five-ish. But basically, I mean, that's the gist of it. You know, more threats to Russia. Germany's our best friend, yada, yada, yada. Germany will do whatever we want. Uh, Germany loves us, and don't worry, Germany's going to stand by us. I'm just not convinced of it, and I'm not convinced that that Vladimir Putin's particularly worried about everything. Um, I, I really don't know. Biden says talks are in good faith, continue in good faith with Russia. And, and I asked the question earlier in the podcast. I don't need to repeat it, but I will repeat it. Does, do you know what our strategic interest in this is? If there is an invasion, what we're, what what we, the American people, would be asked to do? What what our role is? I understand NATO, but that was for the Soviet Union. So, what is our? Because again, I don't feel like Biden's articulated it to us. I have not heard the president say why I should care or why I would want to risk my, my children or my family or anybody I know uh, for this purpose. And I think that presidents have responsibility to articulate that. Top of our agenda today was our united approach to deterring Russia's threats against Ukraine and the long-standing principles of rule-based international order. That's what we spent most of our time talking about. Germany and the United States, together with our allies and partners, are working closely together to pursue diplomatic resolutions of this situation. And diplomacy is the very best way forward for all sides, we both agree, including best for Russia, in our view. And we have made it very clear we're ready to continue talks in good faith with Russia. Germany has also been a leader in pushing de-escalation of tensions and encouraging dialogue through the Normandy format. But if Russia makes a choice to further invade Ukraine, we are jointly ready and all of NATO is ready. Today, the Chancellor and I discussed our close cooperation and developed a strong package of sanctions. Strong package of sanctions. Got it. Uh, And I'll leave you with this today. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg uh, was on CNN today discussing possibly adding a no-fly list for unruly passengers. Secretary, thank you for being here. You've talked about this in the past. Should this happen, a no-fly list for unruly passengers? I think we need to take a look at it. Uh, look, uh, the airlines are often doing their own internal no-fly lists. Some of them have spoken about maybe coordinating on that, and uh, we're looking at these policy recommendations as well. Okay, so you got the airlines doing their own thing with their own private businesses making decisions on who they want as customers. That's totally fine. It's appropriate. But now we're talking about the government getting involved and banning people from flying. So again, I got to ask the question, what, is there due process involved in this out of curiosity? Uh, not that we're waiting for that in order to take action. The FAA has a zero tolerance policy. Uh, fines have been increased. Enforcement has been increased. We've seen some encouraging news in terms of uh, downward trends in unruly incidents. But let's be very clear. This is happening at an unacceptable rate. Anything besides zero is an unacceptable rate. If you are 
onboard an aircraft, you need to be, I can't believe we even have to say this, uh, but you need to listen to what flight crews say and you need to act in a way that is safe, not disruptive toward flight crews and toward your fellow passengers. You know, they always say when you're buckling up your seatbelt, you, you hear it on the, on the, uh, the PA system in the plane. They are there primarily for your safety and it is a safety concern when anybody is acting up on an airplane. I think people see these incidents, see these horrible videos, and see just how people have kind of lost it when on onboard flights over masks and such. And I think a lot of people wonder, why hasn't this broad, comprehensive no-fly list for unruly passengers been put in place yet? I mean, the airlines have been talking about it. They say they need help to do it. What's the, is there even an argument against it, Secretary? Well, uh, you know, there is a uh, terrorist no-fly list. That was a right. big challenge to uh, uh, to implement right. and uh, not something that you do lightly. But I do think we need to look at every policy tool that can help here because it's simply unacceptable. So we're going to compare Americans on flights who are angry about wearing masks or, or may even become unruly to terrorists who are banned from being on airplanes. First of all, do you remember when it was considered to be an invasion of due process to put people on no-fly lists? And, and there was no way of even knowing if you were on a new fly list and how to take yourself off and the challenge to that. And how many Muslim Americans and just Muslims were uh, unfairly targeted and being put on the no-fly list? And, and now we hold it up as a model. We hold it up as a model for something. You charge them with a crime. If somebody's unruly in a flight, you charge them with a crime. And maybe a sentence a judge can impose is they have to go on a no-fly list or something. But... Or, or, or they can't fly for a year. They have to do community service or something. I, I don't know. But to equate that to the terrorist... No fly list. I mean, think about this administration, how much they love power and comparing people that speak up and say things they don't like to being a terrorist. I know people have been kicked off planes just for defending the fact that their kids can't properly wear masks. And that was enough for some flight attendant to be like, that's it, you're all off the flight. That's it, let's go. You're all done. Do they, are those people off, off the, they can never fly again? Is that how that works? Will there be due process involved? Will there be a trial involved? Before they just take away your liberty like that? Is that how that... I mean, what will be the process here out of curiosity? Have a great rest of your day today. We'll see what unfolds with Russia. I, for one, am not watching the Olympics. I have no interest. I really have no interest in it. It's hard for me to get around this. It's hard for me to enjoy it. It really is. No interest. But thank you for listening today. And I still think that if the Love Gov comes back, it'll be the best thing to ever happen to my radio show, even if it means terrible, terrible times for the people of New York. Because, man, one thing we do know is that that egomaniac is never going away. Never. So be happy about the little things, I guess. Thank you.